I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. I read into you here in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 8. The Bible says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Somebody say friendship's sake. Friendship. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough. Somebody say keep knocking. Keep knocking. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever. Somebody say whatever. Whatever, whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Man, I think that's unique, and I'm going to keep saying this in your hearing. Friendship didn't make him move. He was a friend before he came up to the door. But friendship didn't make him get up out of the bed. Sometimes your friendship ain't going to move people. Amen. They're your friend, but if you got a need, you better persist if you think they got the answer to your problem. Amen. When they don't answer the first time, they, you know they kind of you know, ghost you, you better keep on calling. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, this is going to be our second sermon in the series that is introducing our theme for the year. We say the year of great persistence. And we subtopic uh, this particular series, the power of persistence. And I define persistence this way. I say this to continue firmly in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. Definition two says persistence is the unwavering, somebody say unwavering. It is the unwavering commitment to a goal or purpose despite the obstacles or setbacks. You know, in the Bible there are words that is closely related to persistence that you will often see used uh, synonymously with it. Words like endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, all meaning that whatever you're doing, you need to make sure you stick to it and never give up. Amen? Now, last week we looked at how Jacob persistently wrestled with God uh, until he blessed him, and in that blessing came a name change. We also looked at how Moses and Aaron persistently went before Pharaoh. We saw they went before him ten times with the same message, to just let my people go. And we closed by looking at how their persistence paid off when God pronounced the tenth plague on Egypt. And Pharaoh immediately released them, and the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on them. And they gave them, somebody said, whatever. They gave them whatever they asked for. In other words, they came out of bondage, and in their exodus, they departed as if though they were the victorious army that had spoiled the defeated nation. Amen? When we persist, God has a way of blessing us. Amen? Sometimes you just got to stick through some things. And so for those of you that weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen so that you can make a connection to what we're going to talk about today. Amen? Now today we're going to continue this journey of great persistence uh, by looking at the persistence of three women. Somebody say three women. Three women. Three women. 
The first woman that we're going to take a look at is, is Hannah and her persistence. If you would go to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 20 when I get there, and we'll see, you'll see this. This is the episode where Hannah persistently prayed to God because she wanted specifically a male son. Somebody say a male son. Now, Hannah was married along with another woman to a man named Elkanah of the tribe of Ephraim. I ain't got time to take you back to how Ephraim got his name, but, but I will one day. But anyway, Peniah, the other wife, had children. And every year when they would go up to the sacrifice, Peniah would always make fun, mock, tease, ridicule Hannah. Hannah, all because she had no children. Back then, it was not... You was looked down in a un, looked at in an unfavorable manner if you was a woman and did not have children. So Hannah was going through this agony every year, and her husband he really loved. Her. I mean, he really loved her. He even still gave her portions of the sacrifice, but the other wife had to get more because she had children. And so this one time when they go to the temple to worship, Hannah decides she's going to take matters into her own hands. She bypassed the priest and went straight to God for herself. Sometimes you got to go past Boulder. I may be preoccupied sitting at the gate looking at everybody else and if I haven't met your need you need to go because you got access to God for yourself. Back then, the high priest was the guy. You know, he sit there, he listened to the case, heard everybody cry, and they're pleased. And, and for this time, Hannah decided, hey, I'm going to go past him, and I'm going to plead my own case on my own behalf. Y'all follow me so far? And so now what you got to see in this, I'm going to start reading in verse 9 in chapter 1, deep mental and emotional anguish. You know, in life, you can really struggle with things when you're in a situation when your expectations are not met. I mean, you can get to a point where just mentally start messing with you, your emotions get, start playing with your head, but all because you have this ex. And, and, and Hannah had this expectation. She just figured that one day God was going to bless her with a child, not just a child, but a male. And when that expectation became unmet, it wore on her mentally and emotionally. See, sometimes when people are expressing themselves through their emotion and they are mentally out of place, you're going to have to be able to see that in their action. Because it will show up. So look at this. He says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. In other words, he checked out everybody as they came in, made sure that they were going to do things decently and in order. At least, you know, it was the house of God. So there had to be some type of order there. You know, wasn't trying to 
hinder people from doing what they need to do, but he just wanted to make sure that they conducted themselves in a godly way. Amen? Now, verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish. Somebody say deep anguish. In other words, I mean, she was distressed mentally and emotionally, and she cried bitterly. Somebody say cried bitterly. In other words, you know, now a lot of times when people get that deep, I know ladies, especially y'all sometimes, you know tears just start coming. Now, some of y'all don't cry, nothing, but you know most ladies. You know most ladies. Most ladies. I mean, they just, just cry. Some men cry too. Sometimes certain things can get to us and our emotion, our mental state ain't where it normally is, and we just cry bitterly. You know, she was crying as she prayed to the Lord. Now, now, what I want you to see here in verse 11 is a conditional vow. In the midst of her praying and crying out to God, she was cutting a deal with God. She was making a vow to God. She was putting a condition on God. He, she had, look, if you don't do this for me, I don't have to do something else, but if you do this for me, then this is what I'm going to do in return. Conditional. Somebody shout conditional. So God ain't got a problem with you putting some conditions on him. Amen. If you have a desire from, for something from God and you feel strong enough about your desire, pledge something. Make a vow and say, God, if you bless me with this, I will do this for you. And now the Bible does say it's better for you not to vow if you don't plan on keeping it. But if you know you want something and it's going to require you to make a vow to God to get it, I challenge you, make the vow. Make the vow. Look at this. A conditional vow, verse 11. And she made this vow. Somebody say vow. She said, O Lord of heaven's army, if, somebody say if. All y'all English students know that if is a condition. So she says, if you will look upon my sorrow uh -huh, and answer my prayer and give me a, somebody shout son. She could have just said, give me a child. I mean, she could have said, just give, just give me a child. I just want a baby. Just give me a child. But she said, I want a son. And she said, now, if you give me this son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. In other words, if you go back to Numbers chapter 6, you'll find that that's a Nazarene bite, a vow. In other words, they vowed that they were never going to cut their hair nor drink any strong drink or wine. Ain't many Nazarites around there like that today. Because we cutting our hair, and every now and then we drink a little wine. But in this case, Samuel didn't have a choice because his mama made a and that vow included him and he got dedicated back to the Lord when he come on the scene. Now look at this. So now she's in this prayer, cut this vow with God and what we see here now is Eli the priest. I want you to see a rush to judgment. Sometimes people can misunderstand what you're doing when you're going through. Sometimes they can see you doing one thing and they can be thinking another thing until they inquire and get the truth. They may think you're doing something that you... I know we don't have no folks in striving who rush to judgment. You know, that just assume some things without finding out the facts behind it. Just rush to... It's easy to just rush to judgment. Sometimes it's so quick to rush to judgment that we forget that, you know, we got a plank in our eye 
while we trying to get a speck? Y'all can fill in the blanks right there. So what I want you to see is this rush to judgment. The Bible says in verse 12, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. You know, when you come to church, somebody watching you too. Amen. People are paying attention to what you're doing. So look here. You might well go and do the best you and praise like you're going to praise because they're watching you. They're going to watch you whether you dance, shout, clap, or sit there like a bump on a log. Folk, uh, and what sometimes they will misinterpret your praise and your worship because they don't understand what place where you are in life. They don't understand what's going on in your life. And so they just watch it when they ought to be taking care of their own praise or their own worship, but they just seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. You know, she was just in anguish. She mad at God because of her situation. I mean, she's so deep in that she wasn't eating. Now she's in there crying, whining all to God, mad because she ain't got a child. But now look, when he saw those emotions, he thought she had been, somebody said drinking. Drink. So that let me know if he thought drinking, he must know that sometimes folk came to the temple after they had been drinking. Amen. Some people came to the temple drunk. And when they got in the temple drunk, they kind of acted like drunk people. You know some of y'all done been drunk before. Hey, man, you may not remember, but you've been drunk. Just ask some people how you ask, acted. Somebody looked at you like that and said, oh, that person in here. Why, why are they acting like that in here? I ain't talking about drunk in the spirit. I'm talking about drunk with spirits. So, so he thought she had been drinking. You know, look what he says. He made this accusation. Must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine. Now look at her vindication in verse 15 and 16. Oh, no, sir. Very polite. See, some of us would have went off. You don't accuse me of being drinking in the church. I ain't drunk. Man, you better get out. What? You, you, you know, some of us just would have went off on the priest. That's why Pastor Bowen ain't going to never say none of y'all when I miss you. I ain't saying nothing when y'all in here. But some of y'all may just go Y'all may not have a hand of spirit on y'all. You know, y'all may have a I dare you come to me like that. But she said, oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I am very discouraged. My needs have not been met. I've been expecting this son for all these years and ain't nothing happening. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. You know, you're in deep prayer when you're pouring out your heart to God. This is not a superficial prayer when you're pouring out your you know, sometimes we just go through prayer and just be superficial when we're talking to God. But every now and then, you're going to have to learn how to pour out your you're going to have to lay it all out there and God can handle whatever you got in your heart. Even if it's bitterness, anguish or whatever, if you're mad at him, he ain't got no problem with you telling him. When you're pouring out your so he, she says, now, don't think I am a wicked woman. Don't put me in the category of the wicked women, because maybe there were some wicked women who came here drunk, but I ain't one of them. Amen. Amen. Exclamation. Let me get you straight, priest. Don't put me in that category with them wicked women. 
They may be in here, but I ain't one of them. She says, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Now look here, because of that, her, her words must have been convincing because now Eli has a change in attitude. In verse 17, his attitude changed. So people's attitude can change when they know the truth. Amen. That's why you got to get to the truth and tell people what the truth is in the situation and change some attitudes. She said, now look, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. Blessing. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. And she comes back. Now her attitude has changed. Her emotions have changed. She's now in a state of joy. See, some of you may come to church in anguish, bitter, hurt by some things. But when you come here, you ought to believe a word is going to help you bring you that your joy is going to come back. You shouldn't come in the house of God and leave the same way that you came in. If you came down, there ought to be something that is said, a song that will lift your spirits up and give you the hope and the encouragement that you need to continue on and persist. She said, look here. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat. Oh, I'm coming out of something. I'm coming out of this depression. I'm hungry now. You know, a lot of times when people are going through, they don't want to eat. But now I'm coming out of something, so I'm going to get back to my routine. I'm going to stop all this crying because I done took it to God and the man of God that now also placed a blessing on my life. So now I need to start acting like I'm walking in a blessing. Amen. At some point in time, you're going to have to start living and acting like you're blessed before you even see the blessing manner. And the Bible said, and she was no longer, somebody said no longer, sad. It's time for some of y'all to come out of your sadness. It's time for you to say, I am no longer going to be sad. I've been sad about this thing long enough. I done prayed to God. I done heard God speak to me through his word. Now I'm going to make up in my mind that I'm no longer going to be sad. Now look at this, verse 19 and 20, and I'm done with this. He said, the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah, somebody in your Bible say knew her, knew Hannah. Well, the new living just say he slept with Hannah. So he had been doing that before. This wasn't the first time. For some of y'all who don't, don't know how to read between the lines, yeah. They just did what they need to do to make a baby. Can I get an amen right there? So when he slept with her, because you know y'all can remember it. He was snoring on one side of the bed, she was snoring on the other. No. 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 Well, how do you know, Pastor? Well, let's look at the results. The results tell me they were doing more than just snoring. Let me move on because I'm making it too plain for some of y'all and y'all can't handle the plane to that level but that's just what it is. That's how babies are made. 
Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. They had to do what was required in order for God to do what he. She could have went home and said, man, I'm tired. I got a headache. I just don't want to be. Well, if you want this male that you're looking for, you're going to have to be. Because God is ready to remember your plea. He remembered your crying out. He remembered you when you was going through. He heard everything. He saw your anguish. Now he's depending on you to do your part so he can do The Bible says, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. So I told you, they were doing more than just snowing together. And she named him, look what his name means. For she said, I have asked the Lord for him. She gave him a name that put both of them in remembrance. That whenever she called him Samuel, or whenever he heard Samuel, he was hearing, hey, I am here because of you. She was saying, you are here because I asked God. I cried out to God, and as a result of me crying out to God with sincerity and a pure heart, God allowed you to show up. So every time he heard that, now what she had to do is remember that she still got a... She got a vow lingering out there. Oh, he's so cute. You know, I just, oh, he's my firstborn. No, no, no. You made a vow. Now that God done met his condition, you got to meet yours. So after he was weaned, some say about three years she took him back to the temple. We ain't going to talk about his whole life, but if you read 1st and 2nd Samuel, he was in the temple the whole time. And because of that, she kept her vow. Later on, Elkanah knew her a lot more time. Amen. Because the Bible says she had three more sons and two daughters. Amen. So she went from a woman that was distressed and depressed with no children. Now, after God meeting her and hearing her case and answering her prayer, she got six. Somebody say persistence pays off. Sometimes you just gonna have to keep on asking. You got to keep on knocking. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep going back to God until He give you what you want, or at least give you an answer to let you know that it's not for you. Amen. So when something is weighing heavy on you, you're going to see most of the time in these texts that I'm reading you, it, 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 it surrounds being an attitude of prayer when you're persisting with God. When you're trying to get God to do something in your life. Go to Luke chapter 18 real quick. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, woman number two. Next, we are going to look at this little short parable of the persistent widow. Somebody say persistent widow. Now, the parable is designed to illustrate the importance of prayer in our lives. In the same way as the widow had to go before God in prayer, we got to go before God in prayer. But we got to always be mindful that 
even though we go to God in prayer, sometime in this world that we're living in, we're going to face indifference and we're going to face powerful opposition. See, now this woman had an issue and she needed it to be settled. And because she was a widower, you know, in that time, widows, along with orphans and the poor, was looked down upon. There was not a lot of provision made for them. So therefore, in the other thing, being a woman, to go and plead your case before a man was almost un... That's what the husband was for. And so apparently she had no husband now, no son, so therefore she got to take her case on her own to the judge. You know, y'all remember them sisters in the Old Testament who when their daddy died, he ain't had no son. And you know, Moses gonna get their land away. And they went to him and said, it ain't right that you finna give our land away all because we ain't got no brothers. And Moses said, look here, let me take your case to God. Came back and said, hey, guess what, you're right. So this lady's in the same predicament. She got a case that she needed to take before a judge, but the judge is un... But because he's unjust, does not mean she go one time and stop. Amen. God, I, I listened to last week, take, take, and I got a little too political right there, so I'm going to try to stay clear today because I said when they listen to that on radio, they're going to they gonna put me on blast because, you know, I said some things that probably upset some folks, but I don't regret saying it, but, you know, I'm just going to be a little bit more mindful. I'm going to tell you I'm going to upset you before I do it, but, but, I, but I'm going to still say what the Lord gives. What do you say? Amen? But don't look at so now look at this. Verse 1 says this in 18 of Luke. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This story is designed to teach them a lesson, how important prayer is, and that as long as you have not got the answer that you're looking for, you need to keep. Amen. Now look at this. Y'all with me so far? He says, now look, there was a judge in a certain city. He said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Man, you know that's a bad place for a judge to be in. Because the judge is supposed to hear people's case fairly. So if you're a judge and you ain't got no reverence for God and you don't even care about folk, then you don't even care whether or not they get justice. Because you could care so this judge could care less whether or not she got what was deserved her because she was a widower. He could care, probably offended that she would even have the nerve to bring her case before. Because he neither feared God nor cared about people. Now you know there are some people in the world like that that have no fear of God and don't have no concern to careful people. You know there are people even in the church today who say they love the Lord but have no reverence for him and therefore have no love or concern for, for people. That's not you because you're here getting this word today and if that is you, this chisel is going to break that hard heart. Because if you're a child of God, you got to care for... Oh, Y'all didn't want to hear that. Now look at this. 
A widow of that city came to him repeatedly. Somebody say repeatedly. Repeatedly means you know more than one time. Many times. Over and over again. And she came to him saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Repeatedly. Like Moses him last week. Repeatedly going before. And all she was saying was just give me justice in this dispute. Now look what happens. The judge ignored her for a while. Somebody say for a while. I mean, you know, people will ignore you for a while. But if you keep persisting and you keep getting in their ear, they're going to eventually stop ignoring you. They're going to either tell you something one way or the other. Amen. So the judge ignored her for a while. Somebody say a while. Then he says, but finally, somebody say, but finally. He said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But, somebody shout, but. But it's a condition that's going to change things. I don't fear God or care about people. He could have put a period there, period. But it's a comma, but. Even though I don't fear God or care about people, Adrian, but. Because of this woman's persistence. Because this woman kept catching me as I'm walking in and out of my chamber, getting ready to go hear the next case. Here she is out there. Hey! When you going to hear my case? Hey! When you going to You know, here in outreach, a lot of time, there are people who come by, and there are people who persistently come by. Amen. And sooner or later, the persistent get our attention. Oh, we, we ain't helping that this week. Persistent. Roll up. Hey! Y'all told me no last time, but no don't mean no every time. Hey! And you know, sometimes persistence can get on your nerves. Here, here he come up. I can imagine that judge said, here she. Because the Bible says the judge ignored her for a, a while. But finally he said to myself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm tired of getting up out of my chair, going to that door. This driving, driving, driving. I-N-G, driving me crazy. Just won't go away. She won't go away. She won't take no forever because she don't believe no is. Then what he says here, he says, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request, her persistence, worn out. Now, out of this story, I don't want you to see the judge as God. Jesus was using the judge as an example to teach us that if this woman could change an ungodly judge with her persistence, you should change a God who loves you even quicker and faster because he's already on your side. But sometimes you're still going to have to go back to him and plead your case over and over and over again until he give you an answer or give you what you want. Amen. 
So sometimes you need to see, ladies, men, everybody's under the sound of my voice. Persistence will pay. They may get rid of you for a while. But if you keep coming back, kind of like a little animal, a little neighborhood cat. Every time you got out down to your car, get away from this shoe. Get away, I'm tired of you. I'm going to run over you one day. Soon your lady said, man, this dude ain't going nowhere. So you just go and put him a bowl of milk out there so he can get out from under your car. You don't want to run over him or her. So you just give in. Y'all better hear me today. Your persistence can get you victory. Your persistence can bring your joy back. Your persistence can bring you peace. Now look at this, my last lady. Matthew chapter 15. I want to close with this persistent Gentile woman who encountered Jesus. Somebody say Gentile. Because that's important. It wasn't time for the Gentiles to be blessed. But this woman had a problem. And she knew who could solve her problem. So she didn't allow who she was or where she came from or who she belonged to. This Canaanite Gentile who knew she wasn't a Jew, wasn't like the Jew, probably didn't look like Jews. But she had a problem. And somewhere she heard about someone who could solve her. And she didn't care that, you know, she was a Gentile. She didn't care about her ethnicity, any of that. All she knows is this dude over here can solve my problem. The woman did not quit despite the encouragement or opposition. And, and, and even at what seems like, when I read this, and I think when I read to you, what seems like a put down. When I read that, I said, man, that was, Sister Girl had a right. I mean, she could have just went off. But she accepted that with humility and persisted on. I'm going to get there. Y'all going to get the picture here in a minute. And see, what you got to understand is sometimes people don't know exactly what you're going through. They don't know who you coming to them for. And just because they may misunderstand you and put you down, that don't stop you from persisting. Because you got a need that if it's not met, your child going to die. So I don't care what you call me in this conversation. At the end of the day, <laughs> y'all better hear me. This woman, this is a woman coming to Jesus. You know the disciples going to have a problem. Any time a woman came to him, you know them boys had a problem. But they had a little prejudice thing working. You know they had a problem with the woman at the well. Because she wasn't no Jew. Then now, they, you know, they're going to have a problem with this Canaanite woman or this Syrophoenician woman. But when you look it up, she was of Canaanite descent or in the land of Canaan. What we would probably call Palestine today. So now look at this. Y'all in verse 21, Matthew chapter 15. It says, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre, Sidon. A Gentile, somebody said Gentile. Some of y'all Old Testament, or uh, Old King James may say, or New King James may say Canaanite. You know, some Bibles say Syrophoenician because that was the region that the Greeks were running that area of the world at that time. But the Bible was letting us know that she was a Gentile. Somebody say Gentile again. 
Gentile here just means she wasn't a Jew. At that time, if you wasn't a Jew, anything else was a Gentile. Today, you will be considered a Gentile because you're not a... And because she wasn't a Gentile and she supposed didn't know the real God, she would look at like a, a really a Gentile heathen. Y'all follow me today? Now look here. So a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Somebody say pleading. I mean, she was making a sincere and urgent appeal to him from her emotion. She was pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, for a Gentile to be able to use that language, let you know that she had to know something about God. Because she wasn't a Jew, but for to equate Jesus with David and his lineage, obviously she had learned somehow that he was possibly the Messiah. He was possibly the one that Israel was waiting to come, and because I got this revelation that I got the right God, then I'm not going to let him get away because he may not pass this way again. And I got a sick daughter at home who's depending on me to get through to somebody that can heal her. And it don't make no difference that I'm a Canaanite, a Nazite, or any kind of ite in the Bible. I got a need. I'm a human. And he came to seek and save that was lost and to be the savior of the, the whole world. So she cries out, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. In other words, again, going through that mental anguish, something that's attacking your mind. What demonic forces may be attacking you or some of your friends getting inside your head? I'm telling you, if you feel that type of pressure on you, if you feel that type of attack on you, you better persist in prayer. Because you need to get out from under demonic attacks. Especially when it's attacking your mind, attacking even your body. you got to take it to the Lord. Yeah. yeah, you go to the doctor, but look here. Some things, you know, the doctor don't need to deal with. Some things you in prayer and your persistence with the Lord can solve for you. Now, I'm not anti-doctor. i got a doctor. i got all kinds of specialists. So don't look at me like that. But hey, look, I still pray. Amen. I still take my case to the Lord. I still expect him to give them the wisdom that they need. So this woman said, hey, I'm here pleading. I'm interceding on behalf of my, children, my child, and all I want you to do is have mercy. Don't give me justice right now because justice will say, leave me alone. It ain't the right time. Leave me alone. Wait till I get through with my own folk. They ain't believe yet. That's what justice may say, but mercy may have a different answer. So she wasn't pleading for justice. She was saying, Lord, have When we go to God, we should be asking him for justice because justice may levy something on us that we don't want. We ought to go back to God and say, God, have have mercy on me. I know I've done some things wrong. I know I've missed the mark sometimes. God, don't let justice rain down, but have have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. He says, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now look here, man, you out there crying, snot flowing everywhere. You on your knees. And Jesus shows some divine indifference. Jesus, Mary's son, the son of David, show her some divine 
indifference. The Bible says, now he heard her, but Jesus gave her, somebody say, no reply. reply. Not even a word. You know, some of your friends show you some divine, you know, indifference. You don't send them a text. And you can even check if they don't look them ready. And they give you no. You waiting on it. They give you. You send them your best text. You even read it three times before you hit sin. You know this was the right word. You, get, you meditated on the word. You, you got it right. You even punctuated right this time. You got it right. And they didn't give you. See, most of us say, hey, forget them. I don't care. I'm moving on. No, I still got a problem. They my solution. They getting another text. Amen. Don't let pride keep you from missing your blessing. It may be just a test to see that you really want what you're asking for. Amen. Maybe just a test of your faith to see that you have enough faith to go back and ask her. But Jesus gave her, somebody said, no reply. Not even a. He could have just said, baby, just be quiet for a minute. He ain't saved. Then his followers say, we're going to talk for him. You know, when he didn't say nothing, they should have just shut up. But they decided, we got the answer. Look what they say. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her. Now, she ain't asked them for nothing. They done just jumped on Jesus' train. She, she bothering him. And all of a sudden now they're going to jump on bothering us. He, she, y'all ain't have what she needed. Sometimes don't you jump on the train and think folks bother you when they're trying to get to somebody. You ain't the one. You can't solve. So don't you get bothered by something you can't. Oh, y'all better hear me. That's going to help somebody get freed up right there. Stop being bothered by stuff you can't. Because if you're bothering, you may send somebody away that really need a blessing. All because you feel like I am. Don't get quiet on me right there. That wasn't wasn't in my notes. That just dropped. So that wasn't in my notes. But, But they said that. She is bothering us with all her. Man, you know, if I didn't really have a need, them boys talking to me like that, that'd be almost like calling me out my name. You know, they probably get a piece of my mind. But if they didn't get a piece of my mind, look what Jesus said. Look at this. Then Jesus said to the woman, I am sent only. Somebody say only. To help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. He finally opened his mouth and he used an absolute right now. I'm sent only. You ain't in only. I'm sent only to help God's lost sheep. You ain't one of his lost sheep right now because I specify and say the people of. You ain't in only. Ain't your time. You need to wait in line. But you know, the woman was persistent. 
But the Bible says, but she came and worshipped. Good God Almighty. Probably fell down before him. Worship. Pleading again. Persistent. I done played my case one time, but you done told me you ain't come for me. You came for Israel. But I ain't, that ain't going to deter me because I got a problem that needs to be solved. So she said, pleading again, Lord, help me. Sometimes that's all you need to say. You don't need to be deep when you got a need. You don't need to be that deep when you know God can help you or Jesus can help you. All you need to say is, Lord, Sometimes we think that we have to have many words to get the Lord's attention. Your attention. His attention can be got because of your persistence, even if you're using your short little words. Lord, help me. Now, the exclamation let me know that she didn't just say, Lord, help me. She, she had to get over the noise. Because I'm pretty sure the boys were talking in the background. And sometimes when you want to get to the Lord, you want to get over the noise. There may be other folks talking and doing something, ain't got nothing to do with you, but you don't want them to drown you out. So you're, Lord, help me. I guarantee you, if you're going through some things in this church and you shout out, Lord, help me, everybody's going to stop. Because <laughs> they just don't know what you're going through. They don't know where I came from. But look here, you can't let what they don't know hinder you from doing what you need. Oh, God, y'all better help me today. You don't let them keep you from telling him, Lord, help me. I don't have a long prayer for you, Lord, but all I can say is, Lord, help me. If I could get your attention just for a little while, Lord, Help me. Now, you know after they cried out, Lord, help me, you really expect a baby, I hurt you. But Jesus, come back. This let me know the girl was saved in some kind of way. Because I know even Bolden probably would have had a response to this. Because I, I wouldn't have known he was trying to give me a little parable to take me to the next level. I would have probably just focused in on the wrong word and said, I can't believe he just did this. He done heard me say, Lord, I know who you are, and I'm crying out to you for, and instead Jesus responds, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to dogs, to the dogs. Now, I, I tried to parse that and say, surely Jesus didn't mean to say that, but it's in red. So in his own way, he was comparing her to a little, because the Gentiles looked down on, the Jews looked down on Gentiles sometimes like they were. Now Jesus wasn't, you know, really talking that in a way, in a negative way, but it looks negative. But most people believe he was just trying to see where her faith was. If me calling you out your name going to cause you to move on and miss your blessing, then really you may not have been sincere. Your faith may not have been where it should be. But for whatever reason, the Bible recorded and read that it, well, he said it isn't right to take food from the children, Israel, and throw it to the... It ain't your time yet. 
2023 person probably would have had an issue with Jesus right there. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna just call me no dog to my face. You ain't gonna just compare me to no dog. You gonna dog? Dog? You could have picked any of you sheep. You could have picked the sheep. You could have picked the cow. You could be a dog? You don't call me a dog? Don't let your feelings cause you to miss your blessing. Amen. Know who you're dealing with. Know who you're talking to. Don't let your feelings cause you to miss your. This woman replied, replied with wisdom. She said this, verse 27, I'm almost done. She replied, that's true, you ain't lying. Not so much about me being a dog, but that we ain't supposed to eat y'all bread right now. That's true, Lord. But then look at this wise comeback. You know, she come back at Jesus in this nice way. She says, look, but even dogs are allowed, allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Not after the master get up and leave the table, but while the master and his children are at the same time, they eat. I'm down here on the floor, licking up these crumbs. Oh, man, I, I just say, look, I, I did this for y'all today. Look, I went and got me some bread, because they ate a lot of bread back then. And any of y'all ever raised toddlers before? And you put them in a high chair and put their food in you decide you're going to let them eat for the first time by themselves? It's more stuff on the floor. So I can see this woman saying, look here, your children up there eating, but they ain't nothing but toddlers. And all they doing is messing over something you giving them. And it's ended up on the floor. And, and all I need is one of those crumbs that fall on the floor. I don't need the whole loaf because the same thing that's in the whole loaf is in the crumb. So if I get enough crumbs, if I get enough what I need, I'm going to be blessed by just eating the crumb. And somebody got to understand every now and then, all you need is a crumb. You don't need the whole loaf. You just need a crumb. I don't want every blessing that you got, but I need your healing virtue right now, God. I need peace right now, God. I need joy right now, God. I don't need everything that comes with salvation, but right now, all I need is a Call me a crumb snatcher if you will. But as long as it's the same thing that's on the table, I'll take that crumb and consider it a blessing. Don't, look here, don't curse the crumbs that come in your life. Consider the crumbs a part of your. Some of y'all, it's, it's beneath me to eat crumbs. It's beneath me to eat what's left over. Look here, what's left over is the same thing. That was in the main meal. Somebody better hear me today. Some of y'all let your pride get in the way and don't know that all you need is a crumb. You're waiting on the whole loaf when all, everything that you need is on the floor. Then you know what the problem is, Jacquees? In order to get it, you got to.
I hear somebody, I ain't eating off no floor. I ain't getting on my knees to get mad. Then guess what? Your blessing is going to be on hold till you humble yourself before the Lord and get down. Somebody help me today. Somebody help me today. Somebody help me today. Glory be to God. Somebody better get this. All you need is a crumb. You don't need the whole loaf. All you need. <laughs> the scrap that fall beneath that master's table. That fall beneath. Oh, God. Oh, God. That woman got through to Jesus. Her persistence got through. Verse 28, he says, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is And her daughter was instantly, all because she humbled herself and went down and got that crumb. I didn't need every blessing that Israel is getting from you right now. All I needed that healing virtue that you're capable of giving. I don't want everything else. Just give me healing right now because that's all I'm looking for. I am looking for a blessing for my daughter so that she can be healed. And if I got to eat crumbs to get it, whatever it is. Somebody give the Lord some praise today. Give him some glory today. Hallelujah. Tell him that a crumb is enough, God. All I need is a crumb. A crumb is enough to get my deliverance. A crumb is enough to set me free. A crumb is enough. Is enough. Is enough. Don't miss your blessing waiting on the whole loaf. Be content with the crumb. If the crumb satisfy your need, praise God for the crumb. Don't focus in on the loaf. Focus in on what you got in your hand. And believe that if he can put one crumb in my hand, he can put an... And so every time I need something, if all he give me is a crumb, a crumb is going to be enough to satisfy my I'm done. Give God some praise today. Thank him for the crumb. Thank him for persistence. Thank him because you're going to continue on. You're going to go back to him and you're going to persist. You're going to plead your case. Even if you think he gave you a no the first time. Just believe that no don't mean no always. That the yes in there. Amen. And even when it comes to those of you who are not saved, your no don't mean no. Always. There's a yes in you. Yes, Lord, to your will and not mine. Yes, Lord, I need you in my life now. Yes, Lord, I'm lost without you. You've been saying no long enough. Every head bow and every eye closed.